This is the Pencils and Lipstick Podcast, a podcast for creatives, for those who are beginning to be creative or those who have built a business around their creativity. Here, we allow creatives to tell their story about how they got to where they are today, and we give some tips on how to make your creative business better than it was yesterday. This episode of the Pencils and Lipstick Podcast is brought to you by the Creative Writing Community. I started the creative writing community for writers of all levels. Ultimately, writing is something we do up in our office, all alone with our computers or paper and pen. So what could a writing community do for a writer, you might ask? The answer is a lot. In the creative writing community, we sprint several times a week, which is how I'm getting upwards to 30,000 words a month while traveling and having three kids at home. We also gather together to brainstorm problem areas in our stories or in our marketing, as well as share what we've learned. And we have master classes where experts come in and talk to us about what they know about the publishing and writing industry. And that happens one to sometimes twice a month. We also have the private Slack community where we can share articles and tidbits about our novels and really become friends who are interested in seeing everyone do well in their writing and their publishing career. Writing doesn't have to be a lonely job. If you're looking for a writing community, I invite you to try us out. Head on over to catcaldwell.com and click on creative writing community, or you can head straight on over to patreon.com forward slash creative writing community. And just a heads up, admissions closing in October. We really want to gather together and be a community and be bonded together. And for that, we're just going to have to close the community for a couple months at a time. So if you want a community through the winter to help you get writing and possibly finish that book, or maybe two, head on over and sign up. If you have questions, shoot me a question. I am completely open and available to any questions you might have. We will close in October and we won't open again until April. So I highly encourage you to check us out. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Pencils and Lipstick podcast. Today I have with me Laura Hum. I am excited to have you. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks, Kat, for inviting me. Yes, I am a fan of you and Jeff, as my fawning email probably let you know. But uh, before we get into sort of what you guys do. Will you let everyone know a little bit about you? If they've listened to Jeff's episode, they know his version of you, (laughs) but let's let you speak. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Jeff and I have been friends for many, many years and uh, he definitely has his version of things and I have my version of things. So the truth probably lies somewhere in the middle. It's always good to get both sides. That's That's right. That's right. So I am one of I I guess I'm Jeff's only editor at The Dialogue Doctor. I, as a kid, I was a nerd. I didn't have a lot of friends, so I did a lot of reading. I remember going to the library with my mom and just bringing home, like, literally armloads of books every week and just kind of plowing through them and just really loving the art of it. But I always thought it was, like, some kind of, like, mystery, right? Like, people just sat in a room with a typewriter and whatever their beverage of choices and like just wrote it wasn't for the common folk we just got to read right like right (laughs) 
<laughs> if we didn't know how to do that, we just got to read. And uh, so I got into this editing because Jeff was moving from nonfiction writing into fiction. When he had done some nonfiction writing through the nonprofit that we both worked for, I did some of his editing there. And I learned at that point that I really couldn't keep my opinions to myself. I had, if I saw something, I had to share something. <laughs> So I I really kind of got into the editing gig there. But I guess my specialty, if I have a specialty, is character voice. And that's because my day job, I've spent almost two decades there. And we build simulations that help people have difficult conversations. So it's really, I spent almost 20 years focusing on how to tell people difficult news and really like getting to the heart of the emotion of a conversation. Because obviously when something's difficult, there are a lot of emotions. Right. It's kind of me in a nutshell. Yes. He talked a bit about this. This is a really interesting day job for (laughs) for anyone to have. So what is the background that got you into that? So I have a bachelor's degree and I'm actually pursuing a master's degree in psychology, but I was working as a secretary in a middle school and I loved it. I loved being around the kids. I loved the energy of the school. I worked in a fantastic school where, you know, everybody just kind of like loved working together. And one of my coworkers, her husband was actually helping Dr. Olson, who is the founder of Submersion, the company that Jeff and I work for. He worked at the Johns Hopkins University Applied Physics Laboratory for almost 30 years, and he developed this amazing simulation technology, you know, that basically combines the idea of a role play with a computer-based simulation. So... I mean, even still, it's it's cutting edge technology. But my friend was getting in and, and helping Dale start the business and they needed an administrative assistant and I was an administrative assistant. So basically, I got the job through a friend of a friend. And, wow. you know, as most startups are, they didn't need a full time assistant because they, you know, were growing. So I went to Dale early on and I was like, you got to give me something to do. There's, there, <laughs> I, I can't sit here all day long and take this paycheck and not do anything to earn it. So he was very generous with me and he, he gave me access to the technology and was like, play around with it, see what you can do. And nice. two weeks later, he assigned me to a project and my role has changed quite a bit through my tenure there. I've, I've, um, kind of done almost all the jobs at the company or actually at least worked with them. And, you know, now I'm fortunate enough to be in a management position there and get to meet all kinds of exciting people and do all kinds of exciting things and learn. I mean, I've, I've learned from the experts in the military. I've learned from the experts in the medical field. I just, it's amazing to be surrounded by such talented and smart people. Yeah, that sounds like an amazing job. I think one of the greatest things about getting in on the ground floor is that you get to do what you did where you're like, (laughs) can I just, hey, can I come over here and over here? And you have this view of the company that you just can't get if you walk in 20 years later. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we have an amazing staff now. Very few of us, just Dale and me, are around from the original days. Um, We do have a lot of people with a lot of longevity. Uh, We have two staff members who have been there for 15 years, and Jeff's been with us for seven. So it's, you know, like we have 
longevity in our team and even the new people like they come in with a passion and a fire and like really want to do it which is wonderful to see but you're right the the historical memory of of how the company has grown is actually a really interesting and fun thing to see I, I create like different eras in my mind of like well when this group was here and when we worked on this project and you know that sort of thing so that's really cool so your psychology degree actually did come in handy I I don't know about you but my parents were always like, that's not a real degree (laughs) from the sixties generation. I think they're like, you're not going to get any job with that, but uh, clearly like it actually worked out really well for you. It did. Yeah. It was, it was really great for me to have that background and understanding and, you know, the way that people in college, I didn't, see it this way. I saw it more as like how people interact with one another, but now I see it as like how people communicate with each other. And yeah, you know, I'm really passionate about positive and effective communication. Yes. Um, to get me started talking about that might be a little hard, <laughs> to scare hard back. To me, but yeah, definitely have a passion for like really communicating with people in the way that they want to hear things as opposed to the way that you want to say them. Oh, that's an interesting concept. Yeah. No, we always want to just say it how we want to say it. And you better take it. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you're going to have me thinking about that. I've been thinking about writers in particular Mm -hmm. and how probably all of us should have at least a few classes of psychology under our belts in order (laughs) to write even better stories. But I don't think I was not smart enough to do that. That's funny. My husband asked me, like, what would you do now? Like, if you found yourself at college now, but you knew what you know now. And I was like, I would go take some psychology classes <laughs> for sure <laughs> to see, like, how do people interact? Mm-hmm. What's realistic? I think a lot yeah. of times we write things that are not realistic and we don't necessarily know why it doesn't resonate with the reader because mm-hmm. we haven't dug into it. But the fact is, it's like, that's not how we know intuitively how people act and yep. how they don't act. And when they don't act the way they're supposed to act, we're like, oh, the book's not good. But we don't know how to say that it's not good. You know, right. like, uh, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's it's hard because, you know, when you read somebody's work, like that's their heart and their soul, right? Like they're putting their effort and their energy into this creation and being able to find the parts that we love and build on those and help smooth out the places that maybe we didn't connect with as much. And that's really what I love about being an editor. I'm Mm -hmm. not a creative. I can't come up with a great story. But if you give me a story, I can take the gold in it and show you how to polish it and use that to like make the rest of it come to life and really connect. And I love what you're saying about like going to college to understand people. But honestly, if you if you don't have the opportunity to go to college for whatever reason, whether it be, you know, financial or acceptance or just time, right? Like especially yeah. now, like who has time to go back to school? I'm trying to do it. And it's like trying to bleed a stone, right? Like how do you find time to do this? But like, if you just look around at the world around you, I mean, that we have so many other people coming into our homes. And I don't mean literally, I mean, like, we turn on YouTube, we can see anything, 
TikTok, right? Like you can literally see yeah. anybody doing anything on TikTok. The way people speak, the way they interact with each other. And a lot of it's staged, but some of it's not. Some of it, people just like capture their real lives and put it out for the world to see. So I, you know, and then there, when we used to be able to like go to the mall and stuff like that, like being yes. able to watch people interact airports. I love to watch people interact in airports. <laughs> yes. The high stress situations. Yeah, I just came back from a trip. I'll just say airports have changed. I don't think the pandemic helped us. <laughs> so. Yeah, I feel like airports were stressful places before. I can't imagine like with a pandemic. They don't care anymore. But mm. but I'll I'll leave that story there. <laughs> like, they don't have to care anymore, I don't think. Mm-hmm. So it's unfortunate. I don't think the pandemic has made us any kinder to each other. Yeah, I think the pandemic has made us, I I think for some people, it's really brought out the grace that they have in other people, for other people. And I think for other people, it's reinforced the, this is all about me. True. Which is, you know, is is sad because they're, you know, I feel like if there's ever a time to pull together, it's in a global pandemic. I think so. People are people. It's true. And so. The thing is, we write about people, right? Most of our stories, mm-hmm. unless it's a children's story, I guess, but usually we personify, you know, animals at that point. So whether it's an animal personified or humans, that's really what stories are about. So mm-hmm. how you said you, Jeff approached you, you're, you're editing. Was that really kind of the first time that you saw, oh, I can also edit stuff? I never really saw myself as an editor until much more recently when Jeff was Jeff has written I think seven books now published seven books and like hundreds of short stories Mm. Um, when he was writing his first fiction he asked me to be on his beta reader team okay so I'm reading the book and I've always part of my job is making sure that our systems have consistency. So like mm-hmm. the character doesn't say one thing in one place and something totally different in the other. Okay. So my brain is sort of just trained now to look for consistency errors. Right. And that combined with like the love of reading with understanding like and I never really thought about it this way until I started working with Jeff and learning about how writers create their craft. You know, I just thought that like people were good at telling stories and they could just tell a story and it was great, but I'm learning so much about how much work goes into writing. But anyway, sorry, I got off track there. He gave me his book as one of his beta readers and I'm reading it and I had like a thousand questions and I said to him, I was like, well, you know, what kind of feedback do you want? I had never been a beta reader before. I felt really privileged to be asked and honored to be asked to be part of this elite group of people who got to read a book before anybody else did. I was like, gosh, how do I get on everybody's beta reader list? And then, you know, we have this really great relationship. So I was like, well, you know, I have lots of notes. He's like, tell me everything. Because Jeff is one of those people who know amount of feedback is too much feedback for him. He will take it all. So I was like, well, let me buy you lunch. So we go to lunch. Let's soften the blow. (laughs) Like, well, I felt, I felt so honored to be asked to do this. And I was like, but now I'm going to tell you all the things that I think can change to make this better. And again, like, I didn't know where the line was. I've never done it before. So we were having lunch and I was like, well, you know, I really like this. And, you know, this character is amazing and this character is amazing, but 
let's talk about your main character, right? Like he's supposed to be a reporter, but reporters don't ask questions. Like he asks questions like his um, reporter and he's created this great character of Mencken and Mencken and the monsters where Mencken is supposed to be a reporter, but he really like kind of just wants to do his own thing, which doesn't really make a good reporter. Like a reporter is supposed to ask an open-ended question and then be quiet and listen. But Mencken like keeps cutting people off and, and like jumping on them. And I'm like, you, you've created this in my mind. Like this isn't how a, a reporter supposed to work. Now, I've never met a reporter in real life, but you know, we watch TV right. and we have like this understanding of who he's supposed to be. And like I just wasn't connecting with that. So, and then I was like, well, in this period, this chapter is too long and you need to move this chapter here. Like I did kind of all the things. So <laughs> he's like, okay, now read my next book. So I've kind of read like every other one of his books, not because he hasn't asked, but because I just get lazy in between and, and can't find the time to do it. So when he started this and was like, hey, do you want to do it with me? I was like, why do you want me? Right. Like all I feel like all I do is just like give him my opinions on like whatever. And if he takes it, he can. So <laughs> I still like, so to go back to your question, sorry, I have a tendency to like go okay. really the long way around. Like I only started really calling myself an editor in association with Jeff and the way that he writes. But what I've learned from the Dialogue Doctor community is that the type of perspective that I bring to the story, thinking about the reader's experience is something that authors really crave right. because as authors you're focusing on telling the story as an editor who isn't an author I can focus on how the story is being received without really getting bogged down in the how are you supposed to tell a story yes so. yes I think that's really important honestly so like your background of just being a voracious reader first of all like whether you're an editor or writer we should be reading, right? Because that right. <laughs> kind of gives us a background. But then this really unique perspective of consistency in human mm -hmm. reactions and how we respond to hard things. Because a story really is about something conflicting happens. You know, right. like it's pushing. Otherwise, it's not fun to read. Yeah. Otherwise, it's like, eh, so this thing happened to me and all done. And I don't know squirrel you know <laughs> that's not an interesting story <laughs> although some russian stories might be like that but they're unique in their own way <laughs> so the thing that i see in the dialogue doctor community is like like you said this craving to hear back from people how is this being received because once you publish it it's not too late but it is kind of too late <laughs> right right and Oftentimes, authors don't have the opportunity to hear from the reader in any other way other than purchasing the next. Yes. Right? Like, that's the way. And I imagine this happens in a lot of artistic communities, right? Like, we buy an album. If we like it, maybe we buy the artist's next album. Sure. Or now with iTunes, like, we can buy one at a time or listen on Spotify. But the books, I feel like you know, 
I know personally, when I find an author I love, I will read everything that they've written. Right. But if I don't particularly connect with a story, I'm less likely to buy something else by them. But I don't have the opportunity to sit in a Panera with them the way I got to sit with Jeff sure. and say, these are all the things I love about your story, but these are the reasons that I probably wouldn't read another one. Yes. So. Oh, that's so valuable because I was part of a reviewing loop. And unfortunately it was with people, like some of them were great stories and some of them had already pushed the publish button and I'm not friends with them. I'm just, you know, sort mm-hmm. of a floating Instagram head or wherever I found this group. And it was hard to say like, Hey, I think you should take it. I mean, I didn't say it, but I wish that I could have said mm-hmm. like, I think you should unpublish this and really dig in this is what's interesting to me, this guy, Mm -hmm. like you might have five books here because I really want to know how he got here. Not just you saying, oh, and then he got here. Yep. You know, like that's a story right there. How did he get there? I don't know how he got there. You just told me he's there. Now we move on, you know, like, yeah, unfortunately it was hard to publish. So, so I'm telling all my listeners, if you're writers, go join the dialogue doctor. (laughs) You guys (laughs) might get inundated. I mean, that would be amazing. So can I talk about yes, the community yes, for a minute? Go ahead. So the podcast comes out on Sunday nights or Monday mornings. I, I can never keep up. I'm really bad. I apologize in advance. I'm really bad with calendars. I never know what day it is. I never know like how long ago something was like, like I said, I have eras, but I don't know like <laughs> the difference between what happened two months ago and five years ago. It, it all just happened in the past. <laughs> so But weekly, there is a podcast and then there's a free newsletter. So if you're interested in the newsletter, head over to dialoguedoctor.com and you can sign up for it. You get a a free dialogue book with it. And then on there's a, a, a bonus podcast that comes out that's attached to the Patreon. Mm. So for like $3 a month, you can join the Patreon. And the amazing thing about Patreon is that not only do you get this bonus podcast episode, but you get access into the Dialogue Doctor community. And this is really like where I get so excited because we've, we're building this community of writers who all come together with each other and help each other talk about dialogue. We have a Slack channel about questions and like just general, hey, what's everybody working on. But the one that I'm I'm really passionate about and I love to see is we have on Tuesdays, Jeff puts up a writing prompt. So just like work your dialogue writing muscles and just a different kind of scene every week. And I never know what's going to go up there. He, he just puts it up and I read it with all the writers. And then the writers post and everybody's short story is a little bit different that they post each mm-hmm. week. Some people write, you know, three or four paragraphs. Some people write four or five pages and it's amazing. Amazing. And I love it because I love to see that much creativity all in one place. Right. Because I I look at the prompt and I'm like, well, what would anybody write to this? And then all <laughs> of a sudden there are like 10 stories. And I'm like, oh, I get to read 10 new stories. And then on Thursdays, I take the prompt and I put an editing prompt together. Okay. So, like, how do you think about this prompt in a different way, specifically focused on dialogue. So I'll give you an example. This week's prompt was write a breakup scene. Mm -hmm. doesn't have to be a romantic breakup scene, but somebody's leaving something, write the scene. So, you know, I read all these super exciting, every kind of different genre up there that you can imagine. Some are romantic breakups, some of are I'm leaving this and whatever. So what I did is I thought about like, 
breakups mm-hmm. and like, you know, the parting shot that happens, like, how do you, like, wh- who gets the last word and, and what does that last word look like? Right. Yeah. So my writing tip was read it out loud as you're walking through a door. How far can you get while you're shouting this line? You can get more than a couple of steps, probably too long of a parting shot, and you might want to dial it back. So just like I I try to make the editing prompts like really tangible. I use a lot of, which is something I actually stole from Jeff, like color coding of the work, drawing lines, counting things, like really tangible, manipulatable things that help us take dialogue and writing in general, because writing is an emotional experience. And we tend to not like want to put logic with emotion. But I feel like in order to really think about it, beyond just the art and like get into the science of it we need something tangible so yes that's what we do in the dialogue doctor slack channel and then I get really excited because people will edit and I'll get to see kind of how those tips and tricks that I give them help them change and maneuver their writing so it's super fun come over and join (laughs) yes it is it is really fun I think I've written three out of the you know I've been in there for like four months so I should really get writing (laughs) (laughs) I mean it's and that's the beauty of it is sometimes you don't have to do the writing True. in the prompts to be able to benefit from them because you're reading other writers work. You're seeing how other writers are processing it and thinking about it. And every one of the scenes that Jeff writes can be completely applicable to anything else somebody else is writing, right? Like he's not creating some obscure writing prompt that's like two characters are on the moon and they're waiting for their spaceship. Like, it's not like that. It's very general. Like, it's a breakup. Anywhere you want it to be, yes. any situation you want it to be, it can be really generalizable. So Right. It's really taking the relationships. One of the interesting prompts that you guys had a couple weeks, maybe a couple of months ago already, was like a strategy session. So, like, something has happened. Mm-hmm. And it was really general. Something has happened. That's what Jeff put up. And now they have to come together and strategize what's going to happen next. I was like, well, that's a really interesting thing to try to think of. Like, okay, A, what has happened, but I'm not writing about that. That has to just be in my head and then pull the reader in without knowing what happened. And and then their characters, their personalities really shine through. Like who's going to take the lead? Is it your main character or is your main character the person who wants to be led? Like you have to know your main characters and your your mm-hmm. what are they called secondary characters like sub characters but the greatest thing about that is you learn about your characters do yep. you know your characters as well as you should yep and these little prompts a like if they go in your book that's great otherwise you can also use them for short stories or extra material yep. which is like <laughs> yep and we have writers who are working on a primary work who use the prompt every week to exercise their characters' voices, yes. like to try their characters in different situations. And then we have other writers who just are like, I'm just going to write this one-off thing this week and just try it, something different from my work to get my creative juices writing. But, you know, I really get excited when he gives these like prompts that are about like a specific kind of like people coming together because that's where I get to like talk about character voice. I'm like, okay, you've got this type of characters who tend to sound like this. And you've got this type of characters who tend to sound like this because as a reader, I'm connecting to those characters and I want to see the difference between the character that you mentioned who wants to be led and the character who wants to lead. 
And I want to see those voices come through. I want to immediately, as the as the reader, feel like I'm sitting in this room watching like, okay, he's he's leading and they're following. So if they're following, they should like sit back and wait. But then if this one who's following starts talking too soon, it's like, wait, 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 just what, what just happened? Time yes. Scene. Hold on. So that's where I, as an editor can come in and say, like, think this through and, and adjust this voice here to keep this consistent so that, because when, as a reader, when something unexpected happens, that isn't intentionally unexpected, right? Like books are supposed to have unexpected sure. twists and stuff, right? Like that's what keeps us coming back. But you don't want your characters to do unexpected things. You want your characters because, you know, think about the relationship that we have with one another, right? Like we know that we're getting closer to someone when we can start predicting their behavior. Right. You know, you, you think of like spouses who've been together for years and years and years and they like, well, you know, what is so-and-so going to want for dinner at this party? And the other one's going to be like, well, first they're going to have this and then they're going to eat this and then they're probably going to want to, right? Like we just know each other. So and then something unexpected happens. We're like, wait a minute, do I even know you? True. And it happens like that in books too. We get to know our characters. We want them to act a certain way. We want them to portray the relationships in a certain way. So when we kind of pull away from that, uh, as readers, we get really confused. Yes. That's probably when we go back and like, wait, who's talking? Wait, what was that? Yes. We have to go back and reread it. Yep. We're like, that's when we need to rely on our dialogue tags. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I'm, I'm, I say this all the time. Um, the dialogue doctor community is probably like, yes, Laura, we know. I'm a lazy reader. I don't read anything that doesn't have to do directly with the story. You brought up um, some Russian literature. I had a really hard time with Anna Karenina. Who did Because didn't? there was a lot of <laughs> exposition about like, I remember there was like a chapter that had like two pages about the curtains. And I was like, curtains? Really? What's <laughs> behind the curtain? And I know. <laughs> right. <laughs> Who bought the curtain? Why is the curtain there? Why are we talking about the curtains? And I know people love Tolstoy and as a literary work, it's amazing. But for somebody, I prefer like fast paced action to keep me like moving forward. So I kind of struggle with those, like a lot of pros. Yes. So. I, I mean, I have noticed that I'm actually a lazy reader as well. So I'm like, I'll sometimes go and like he said or something like, oh, wait. Was that a he said? I'll have to go back. <laughs> like, what is, yep. I just give it. I get to a part in a conversation where they're talking about something. I'm like, wait a, wait a minute. What are they talking about? All right. Now I'm going to go back and I got to read this paragraph that I skipped to find out what they're talking yes. about. So, I mean, and the great yeah. thing about this, another book I read this summer, they had a Greek chorus scene, which you guys have talked about. Mm-hmm. Or was it, I guess maybe it would be more of a crowded scene. I don't know. You can tell us what the difference is between those two. And all of a sudden, some characters started talking three quarters of the way through that nobody knew that they were there. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. How is this? Yep. What? And the the other thing I see a lot too with, I don't know, newer writers or maybe writers that haven't got a lot of feedback is kind of like you were saying before, like every detail of the emotion that they're doing right there, like it's like, has one minute gone by and we've only seen what exact, like, my finger is touching my cheek as the, like my heart is like on and on. And you're like, Oh my gosh. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Just, just let, let that reflect in 
the cadence of the speech or the pacing that you're that they have with the other characters it doesn't all need to be on the page just let us see what's yes. happening let the characters talk to each other let them be in the moment with one another all of those things that we put in that isn't character dialogue they have to be supporting the dialogue in order to not break the reader's attention. Because, you know, we want the emotional intensity of a scene to ratchet up. We want the readers leaning in. We want them to be captured because when they're captured, they want to turn the page. And turning the page is where writers make their money, right? Like, we keep turning pages, we get to the end of this book, and now we need another book. That's where the paycheck comes in, because now I'm going to buy your next yes. book. Yes. Whether it's about the same characters, or if it's about different characters, it doesn't matter, because you've created this emotional journey for me, and now I want to go on another journey yes, with you. I, the, the other thing that I like about the group, and I'm pushing my audience to find a group, like whatever their creativity, <laughs> because I've really... I used to struggle as a writer to share my content, right? Because it's it's difficult. Jeff probably came to you because he felt mm-hmm. safe the first time. Like, I know she might like, you know, tell me everything, but at the same time, it was a person that he, that he could take it from, you know, whereas like, oh, you're so, I don't know. Maybe I'm more scared than, <laughs> than Jeff, but. No, I mean, a lot of writers feel the same way. It's like, especially first-time writers who are like, I don't know if I'm good at this. If you're writing, there's good in it, right? Like if you can create some kind of story, it's there. But having a team around you, I'm sorry to steal your thunder here, having a team around you helps you polish that. Nobody gets better at something sitting alone in the room. That is my main point. It's like, a young cat, like 20s cat, that like, if I'm a writer, I should know how to write without people telling me how to write. And like, kind of like you were saying, like, these books appear and mm-hmm. it's magical. You know, these they, they just figure right. it out. <laughs> and we forget that our favorite books as kids was a writer and an editor. They were a team. You know, yep. the editor doesn't unfortunately get their name on the book as much, but they were that person we don't that was it. like, pull this out, you know? So where we get this idea that we should just know everything. I don't, I don't know where we get that idea, but this community, the dialogue doctor community is great because you can tentatively share something and people are very kind and then you learn or you can go on there and just read people's stuff and read people's comments and be like, okay, nobody's like tearing each other apart. Maybe I can share. No, everybody is really very positive and encouraging and just really it's it's all about people trying and trying something new and when you put something up it doesn't have to be right it just it just needs to be work right like just write something anything because it's it's about i like to think of the dialogue doctor community as like going to the gym not that i ever go to the gym or work out but like the concept of going to the gym right like you're you're going to the gym or you're going to practice so that when you go to the big game, right. you're ready. You have the strengths that you need. You've worked out those muscles. And then in the game, 
the ball comes to you or the puck comes to you and you just know what to do with it because muscle memory kicks in. That's how I think about the dialogue doctor community. You're building your writing muscles as it relates to dialogue so that when you get into the big game to write your scene for your book or whatever you're writing, you just are able to pull that out. I like that analogy. So have you seen, uh, how long have you guys been a community? A year. We just, yeah, we just hit our one year anniversary. Our last week's podcast was about our one year celebration. Yes. I I will have links in the show notes because it's a really good podcast for anyone who's a writer and especially needs to figure out their dialogue or not even, sometimes you don't know you need to figure out your dialogue. Yeah. And what I've learned again, learning so much behind the scenes about how the craft of writing works. Because again, I I feel like I came in the side door to the writing community, right? Like I'm a reader and I feel like when I like got to like sneak into the community from the side door and like see what everybody's doing and how everybody's collaborating, I was like, oh, that's how that works. That's great. But what I've learned is that we focus as writers so much on like telling a good story that we forget that it's our characters that are important to the story. And that's where um, the writing editing relationship is so important. As an editor, my job isn't to make the story my own. My job is to come in and say, these are the things as a reader I'm seeing. You as the writer get to make the choice as to what you wanna do. Is this intentional? Is it not intentional? If it's intentional, lean into it. If it's not intentional, then maybe think about it this way. But it's it's really intent. It's the the way that I've seen it work best. And and maybe this is just because it's my personality and Jeff's personality together. But like that, really, that collaboration of I know his characters as well as he knows his characters. So when his character starts to stray, I can help put them back on the course that he's plotting for them. But I mean, every book that I edit for Jeff, there's a part of a scene that I write, cut this. I know you're not going to, but cut it. <laughs> like it's it's like we have this, we have this back and forth. Like I know he wrote it because he enjoyed it as the as the writer, but as a reader, I didn't connect to it as well as he did. So like my note is to take it out. And every time he leaves it in, it's like this fun little <laughs> joke that we have between us. But and that's the thing about being an editor. You said that like editors don't get our names on the books. We don't need to have our names on the books because our joy as editors is knowing that somebody else's work is out there in the world that somebody else gets to read and enjoy. So I like that. It's also why my name isn't currently on the Dialogue Doctor website, because I was like, no, Jeff, you're the writer. You should you should be the one on here. And he's like, no, you should be on here, too. I was like, no, I'll just I'll just like if you are sure that you want me to do this with you, like I'll just kind of be there with you. But now that like the community is growing and. I'm on your podcast. Yeah. I'm so excited. This is my <laughs> first time being on somebody other than Jeff's podcast. And I shouldn't, I shouldn't call it Jeff's podcast anymore. I should call it our podcast. He's really like wrong. You, it's like he's been taking this <laughs> rope and making you. Come. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Like, and I was along for the ride, but like as the editor, I'm used to standing behind the writer, right? Like nobody is, ever, if, if I'm doing my job right, nobody knows that I'm here. Yeah. Right? Like, <laughs> That's, that's what's supposed to happen. So it's it's really funny for me to like be doing this and, and working with you all. And so, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely stretching me and growing me too. <laughs> but I love your, your view of 
being a writer and an editor, especially with your prompts, like the editing prompts that you do in the community, because I think just like you were saying, Jeff enjoyed the scene or whatever. We do have scenes or characters that we just enjoy writing and they don't Mm -hmm. always necessarily add to the story. And I think you, it's good to know that and then to make a decision like, okay, should this be hold another book? Should it be taken out? Am I just going to leave it? Like the art of storytelling and writing a book isn't always about what we want to write. And I think that's hard to come to understand. (laughs) Sometimes it just takes a while for us to understand that. Yeah. Well, and again, and it's not that that story shouldn't be told. It's about when is the right moment to tell that story. Because likely if you love that character, other people are going to love that character, but we have to understand why they're part of the story. Yes. Yes. It it is important to ask these questions. And I just, I love that we're in agreement. Obviously when somebody agrees with me, I love (laughs) Yes, I'm very validated and telling people to go out and find, find someone at least maybe I think a community, but somebody that they can find feedback from. And it is difficult Mm -hmm. to find beta readers who will tell you the full truth. I think Jeff was very lucky in having you as a friend. (laughs) Well, and as a beta reader, it's also like, it's not just about telling the truth, but it's about telling the helpful truth. Right? Like I could have given Jeff his book back and been like, yeah, it was fine but not really given him anything to hold on to, right? It's to be helpful. And, you know, as you're looking for the person who's going to help you with your book, whether it's your beta reader, whether it's your editor, whether it's just somebody to like bounce your story ideas off of, you want somebody who's going to be excited for you and what you're doing and will really honor the craft itself and how much work goes into it. It's really easy to read something that's, you know, five or six pages long and be like, it's five or six pages. What that took you like, what, 30 minutes? No, that probably took me like 30 yes. days. Right? <laughs> like, oh no. <laughs> Somebody who understands how difficult the craft is. So when they read it, and there are parts that they don't like, it's not just, well, I don't like that. It's, I didn't connect to that because, and this is back going back to like my passion about communication and talking to people in the way they want to receive, like what's going to be helpful to mm. the writer? Why didn't I connect to this? What was it about it that made me feel like it didn't make sense or wasn't impactful? How can you change that to make it to draw me mm-hmm. in? So like if you really want Mencken to be that character who is a really bad reporter, put somebody in his life who's coaching him to be a better reporter. So you're letting the reader in on the joke that everybody knows he's a bad reporter because now all of a sudden it's like, oh, now I got what you're doing yes. as a writer. Now I'm all in with it, right? right? You know, so it's it that's really where we can help people who are writing is celebrating what they've done great, but helping them understand where the disconnect with us is. It's just like any other communication, right? Like we're fighting with our spouse because we're saying this and they're saying this and we're saying this and they're saying this. And we're not really looking at each other. We're not really talking to each other because we're just talking about what we want to hear and what we're feeling. And then all of a sudden we take, we stop and we take a step back and we look at it from each other's perspective. And it's like, we're not even talking about the same thing here. <laughs> Why are we even fighting? About yeah. What this? did we start fighting about? I don't even know. <laughs> right. Exactly. 
exactly. And so it it all it it all circles back to communication and dialogue, yes. right? Like when we're dialoguing and we're sharing with yes. each other. And, and I will say as we wrap up the podcast, the Dialogue Doctor podcast was interesting about you guys. Sometimes you guys take other people's stories and you go through them. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting is we have these characters in our heads and we all have our own experiences of where we've worked and where we're from and who we've hung out with and met before. Mm-hmm. But no, we don't know all the characters personally in our lives. So like one of the the podcasts was he was talking about, I think Jeff or you, one of you was talking about how people in uniform speak. And if you don't know mm-hmm. somebody in that, that t- puts on a uniform. It is like something I had never thought of. Like they're different mm-hmm. when the uniform's on and they're different when the uniform's off. And you think like, well, yeah, if mm-hmm. I was in my wedding dress, I'm going to act like you already have that excitement, you know? And if mm-hmm. I'm in my yoga pants, I act a different way. It yeah. makes sense, but it's like, you need to talk through this, listen to it you know? mm-hmm. <laughs> in, in order for right. your characters to sound how they're supposed to sound. Right. And what you're talking about right there is what we call voice modulation. And for your listeners who maybe didn't hear that podcast, I'll I'll give you a a different analogy that, you know, we all can, not all of us, but many people can relate to. So like when someone is talking to a child, they use a different Mm -hmm. language. They use a different cadence with the child than when they're talking to an adult, right? Like you hear all the time, like there's this parent voice or this child voice. Um, There's, we have a telephone voice and we have a a friend voice, right? Like we talk differently to our parents than we do to our spouse. We all talk differently in different situations, but we all always sound like ourselves. And that's what we talk about, about voice modulation, where I always sound like me, but when I'm talking to a child, I sound like me talking to a child. When I'm talking to my parents, I sound like me talking to my parents. When I'm talking to my spouse or my coworkers, right? Like it, the the conversation changes each time. Yes. So that's what we really focus on. And if I can just yes. take a second to plug the Absolutely. conference that we're doing at the end of August. So it's August 28th and it's a four hour conference and we're focusing on character voice and building your cast of characters to make sure that each of your character voices are unique and that you know how to like modulate those voices. Yeah. And then for 10 lucky people, I think there are only eight slots left though, maybe even seven. There is an additional bonus two-on-one meeting where you get to meet with Jeff and me apart from the rest of the conference to really talk through your own cast of characters. So if you have a work that you are starting, if you're, I mean, it really, anytime you're moving from the book one to book two in a series, you're in the middle of writing, doesn't actually matter. But if you're finding that your voices all kind of sound the same or your beta readers aren't getting the emotional connection and you really want to dig into the voices, that uh, 90 minutes we kind of break up. Jeff talks about the storyline and kind of who your character's background is. And then we kind of turn it around and we say, excuse me, if this is who your character's background is, these are how, these are ways you can write that Mm. voice 
to really let your readers understand their background. You know, if they're in the military, maybe they speak much more commandingly than if they are a yoga teacher. A yoga teacher might speak much more gently. And we really kind of talk about the voice of the character and then how that yoga teacher would speak differently to a class of children than a class of senior citizens that maybe they're teaching. So like thinking about how personality and background lead into voice and then how voice modulates. That's what the conference is about. So if you're interested in that, head on over to dialogdoctor.com and sign up. We are really excited. Uh, This is actually going to be our second time running this conference. And the feedback we got the first time was amazing. We were we weren't sure it was going to work, but people seem to really, really love it. I think that's how it happens anytime yes. you launch something new. It's you're not you're a little skeptical you're about what's going to do, but yes. it really well. And yeah, I'm more and more. I would really like as the field of writing gets more and more competitive, and it seems like every year it just gets more and more competitive. For your book to stand out, you need your story to be well developed, and your characters have got to be somebody people that the reader can connect to that when you close the book, you're like, Mm -hmm. I wish they were my friend. (laughs) Like, or maybe I really hate them. I wish I could kill them. (laughs) Right. It it doesn't matter as long as they provoke an emotional reaction, right? Like we come back to things that make us feel something. It doesn't matter, you know, what genre you're in. Your, your genre is about making people feel something. Yes. So when we can when we can see a little bit of ourselves in the story or see how we can connect with somebody in the story like oh i want to invite that person to my next party so they can write or my next zoom call yes. um so they can tell me more about their life right like that's that's really where the magic happens behind what you what your writers do and it's so amazing to to watch it well it's amazing it. to have you help us quite frankly <laughs> Well, thank you so much, Laura, for coming on and giving us all of this information, get, helping us get to know you as well. And I will send people to the Dialogue Doctor and send them over to the community because really it is a really great community. You and Jeff have built something really, really helpful, which is also great, but also really welcoming. So the two together are great. <laughs> Hey, you're still listening. Since you are, could you do me a favor and head over to the app that you're listening to this episode on and hit the subscribe button and then rate and review the show? It would really help the Pencils and Lipstick podcast get out into the world. And if you're enjoying the podcast, well, then there might be more people out there who would enjoy it as well. If you want to find out more about me, you can head over to catcaldwell.com. I have my story over there, my books, my interactive journals, my one-on-one coaching information, and information on my creative writing community membership group. If you're looking to write a book or you are a writer and you just want to find out more about how to write, how to publish, how to format, how to market, and all the things that go into being an author these days, check out the membership group. There is a 14 free day trial that you can try it out, get into the masterminds, find out all the goodies that we are talking about in the group. I would love to see you there.